As I've told you before, my high school interest consisted of football and horses. And for me, a D meant a diploma, graduating. I had no desire to go to college as I smoked the ACT, which the max was 36 and I had a 14. And I remember going to college looking for a place to belong and going to the Baptist Student Center since I was a Baptist and had been a deacon's child. And, uh, and I remember sitting in the first meeting and feeling out of place and confused and frustrated. H have you ever walked into a room and realized that you don't belong there or feel like you're out of place? How many times do you come to church or go to visit a church and feel like you don't belong there? Like if you walk into church, you may even feel like the building's going to fall down. And you're trying to do things, and some things that you do don't feel right. And the inside of you is trying to figure out what is wrong. You know, maybe it has to do with your placing yourself under the authority of God. You know, we will feel out of place when we come to church and we don't and haven't surrendered ourselves to God's authority or the Holy Spirit inside of us. See, when people have the Holy Spirit inside of them and they are Christians, they will, if they have not put themselves under the authority of God, they will feel uncomfortable and, and dissatisfied and, and restless. You see, in the Matthew 7 verse 28 that we heard Rob read from today that Jesus had just finished the Beatitudes and we see him saying that when he finished these sayings the crowd were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority not as the teachers of the law. So what Jesus is saying is what we see here is he amazed the crowds. You know, they were amazed at his teaching. This is saying that Jesus was not boring. If you don't believe Jesus was uh, not a boring person, where was his first miracle? His very first miracle was at a wedding, and it was turning water into wine. And folks, they don't crucify people who are boring. They crucify people who are, are radical, people who are changing the world. So why were they amazed? Verse 29 says, because he taught as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. In other words, when he got up to preach the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus preached with passion, conviction, and authority. And the people were thinking, this Jesus Christ, he believes, he believes what he is, what he is preaching. So today I want to talk about authority and ask a question. Have you completely submitted yourself under the authority of Jesus Christ? And authority can be a dirty word for, for young people. And maybe for some of you, it may have been that somebody in authority has, has abused you. But authority is a great thing. Think about it. The opposite of authority is anarchy. For example, what if there were no police presence, and there was no one to stop somebody from breaking into your house. Suppose there were no traffic laws, and you could just blow through red lights as much as you wanted. Authority is a good thing, 
Authority is a God thing. But the reason we struggle with it is because a lot of times we do not want to place ourselves under God's authority. So as a result, we have confusion and frustration and aggravation. In fact, I believe every one of us here is sitting in one of four chairs, and everyone fits into one chair this morning. The first chair that I want to look at today is the chair of condemnation. Now, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, you're sitting in that chair of condemnation. Because the Bible says if you do not know Jesus Christ, you are condemned to hell. Look at what John 5.24 tells us. John 5.24 says, Verily, truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. So what we see here is we see that Jesus is saying that there is for us that are Christians an escape from condemnation. And if you have no relationship with Jesus Christ, then there's going to be condemnation. And see, the Christian message is, you're sinful and you're bad, I'm sinful and bad, but Jesus paid for the bad things we have done and came to save you, and he would do the same for anybody who gives him their life. The Christian message is, that's all we need is a Savior. That we don't have to be under condemnation because of what Jesus has done. Now, we've talked about condemnation, and we now want to move to a chair. And assuming that all of you guys in here today are Christians, and if you're not, our prayer is you understand the condemnation you're facing and that you will come up and accept Jesus is Lord and Savior of your life. But the second chair that, that many of us find ourselves sitting in is the chair of convenience. And aren't we a culture that loves convenience? Man, I don't know what I'd do without a remote control, folks. Uh, having to get up as many times as I've changed channels and surf the surf and see what's on TV. Aren't we addicted to our satellite TV, our DVR, our computers, our internets? We love microwaves. You guys that drink coffee love to have your automatic coffee maker so your coffee's waiting for you when you get up. But the problem happens when we bring our attitude of convenience into the church and into our Christianity. And there are Christians who will only follow Jesus when it's convenient. Did you hear me? They only follow Jesus when it's convenient. People will come to me and to the staff members wanting help with their finances. They would say, I want to get it under control. And we'll say, well, let's cut up your credit cards. And you think you'd shot them. And well, I can't do that. And you talk about living on a budget. And it's like, ah, you know, that's not convenient. Or husbands and wives will come wanting to make their marriages better. And you'll look at, at the husband and say, you love the wife like you love Christ loved the church. And he looks at you like you're crazy. Or the woman, you'll look and say, submit yourself to the husband. And they'll 
they don't want to hear those things. They go against what they're doing, and it's not convenient. How many people make bad decisions and, and say, I'm following my heart? You know, Scripture tells us in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful about all things and beyond a cure. Who can understand it? So what we're saying here is if you're following your heart instead of the Holy Spirit in your life, it's going to cause some problems because our heart is going to lead us to do what is convenient. And how many of us have those conveniences? Like uh, spending the summer at the lake or camping or golfing or traveling sports and kids' activities, or maybe even we're season ticket holders for our favorite collegiate or professional team. But you know what happens when those conveniences start taking up your Sunday mornings and weekends? Your kids are watching you and being molded, and they're seeing other priorities on Sunday morning than church and God. And later in life, when you see they're pursuing the conveniences of life, you don't have to ask where they learned it. See, convenience is what you ministered them to show as a priority as you sat in the chair of convenience. And you show them you're only involved in church when it's convenient for you. And Jesus Christ is only important for you when it's convenient for you. But you may say, I told them it was important. Yeah, but you didn't show them. You didn't show them that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. You showed your kids that what's important for you is what is convenient. And when you follow Jesus Christ out of convenience, it always goes bad. The problem with the person that follows out of convenience is they're going to reach a point that the price is too high to follow Jesus Christ. Do you hear me? The person sitting in the chair of convenience is going to reach a point that the price is too high to follow Christ. Paul wrote, Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas, because he has loved the world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Now, what we're talking about here is Demas, one of Paul's uh, disciples. And what happened here is Demas's love of Paul and Jesus Christ and his love of conveniences came into conflict. But when Paul was finally facing execution, his beheading, Demon, Demas realized that the price was too high and that Paul wasn't that important to him, and neither was following Jesus Christ. And see, the person sitting in the convenience chair does way more damage to the kingdom of God than the person sitting over here in the condemnation chair. This person is not a Christian. This person is a Christian, and they're modeling something that is wrong because they're following out of convenience. The third chair is the chair of contribution. Now, when we think of contribution, we think, well, that's a good thing, isn't it? 
Well, I know that when I was in college, I was a basketball manager for three years. And when I was a sophomore, we had a, a junior player that was 6'11 and about 300 pounds. And at that time, I was about 5'9", 5'10", and about a buck 70 in weight. I felt small enough around the other college players that were 6'4 to 6'6", but when I got around this guy, I felt like a child. And he looked like a giant to me. And I couldn't imagine how I would ever fight a guy like this. That view I had of him, what if we could have that view and that kind of awe of God? Where we viewed God as a 6'10 giant. That he was big, that he was awe-inspiring. But there are people out there that don't view God this way. Now when I talk about contribution, what I'm saying here is there's people that come to church and say, I want to make a contribution, but I really don't want to follow God. The person who is the contributor, they may volunteer, they may pass out bulletins, they may work with kids, they may work with youth, but don't expect them to live for Jesus during the week. They will show up on Sunday, they'll do their part, but they'll live like they want during the week. And then they'll think that God is pleased because they have sat in the chair of contribution. But see, Jesus didn't die on the cross for nickels and dimes, and Jesus doesn't want our contribution. And what does that contributor look like? The person who makes the contribution is the person who refuses to invite people to church because they don't want to have to explain to those people they work with or they're interacting with in social circles during the week why they live like they do during the week and then on Sunday morning they try to act different. They feel like they, if they invite those people to church it's going to complicate things. And that contributor who won't invite that unsaved person who is doomed for hell because of complications and because it makes it complicated, they are missing the point. And they're doing damage, much damage for the kingdom of God, much more than the person that is condemned because they don't have enough concern to have their neighbor or coworker or friend to be delivered from sin. But also, when you look at the contributor, that's the person that when they, they live life, they, they will say they're sorry for a sin that they're doing, but they won't repent of it. And they will want to be delivered from a consequence of a sin in their life, but they don't want to be delivered from the sin because they're nursing and enjoying that sin. See, the person who is the contributor is willing to wear a cross around their neck on a necklace, but they're not willing to carry a cross on their back and follow Jesus daily. See, the contributor can damage the kingdom of God, and Jesus tells us what he's looking for in this passage in Luke 9. Then he said to all of them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves 
take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. So what we're seeing here, Jesus is saying to the contributor, take up your cross. And that doesn't sound like the contribution or the convenience. It sounds like the fourth chair. And this is the chair that that Jesus wants us to be seated in. The chair of crucified. Now we go crazy when our sports teams win, whether it's pro, NCAA, high school, or even our little rec teams or travel teams. Why is it when someone takes Jesus Christ seriously that we think that's something strange and we don't, we don't celebrate that? See, we need to celebrate because Jesus wants us to be crucified. See what it says in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We are called to be crucified in Christ. And the person who sits in the crucified chair says, all of me, God, They say, I'm not holding anything back on you. God, you have my time because my time is your time. You have my money. You have my possessions. They aren't mine. They're yours anyway. You have my talent, Lord, because I belong to you. The person in the crucified chair is willing to serve and to be in the church and to know that the church exists to give people the people out there in the world, an opportunity to know Christ. See, the the crucified person serves those others in their community. They're not worried about, about the embarrassment of acting one way on Sunday morning and another way during the week. So are you so good that you can't serve someone? You might say, I'm busy. Well, busier than Jesus? See, John 13 talks about that, and that's what's exemplified on the front of your bulletin cover today. Just before Jesus died and went to the cross, Jesus put on a serving towel. He washed the nasty, dirty feet of disciples that had been walking on the road, walking in donkey and and camel manure, and, and he was willing to model how we are supposed to serve other people. Yet someone who doesn't serve, they cannot follow in the footsteps that Jesus gave us to model. The Bible says, I am crucified in Christ and no longer I live, but Christ that lives in me. And this means that the person who sits in, the, in that crucified chair, they serve. They are generous. They're not greedy. Those who sit in the crucified chair, they hold nothing back. So the question is, which chair are you sitting in today? Which chair is the one that you occupy? But truthfully, if I think about my life, 
I usually go between those three chairs. That there's times I get self-focused and I move out of the crucified chair into the contributing chair or the convenience chair. And, and it's like my nature fights to stay out of the crucified chair because it's hard to stay focused because the world is so busy competing for our attention. And yes, there are some weeks I'm in the crucified seat, but the other times they're, they're, I find myself in the other two chairs. Now, I will say one thing. I will never go back to this chair once I have accepted Christ because we believe that the condemnation chair that once Jesus Christ buys and purchases you, it's for good. It's once and for eternity. So the question I'm asking you this morning is, what chair are you in? If you're a Christian and the Spirit of God is living inside of you, and you find yourself restless, frustrated, uncomfortable, it may be because that you're in the, in the chair of convenience or contribution and not in the chair of the crucified. Jesus will not let us be content in our lives until we completely surrender to him. So the question is, which chair are you in? And the challenge for you is to live for him. Because you know what chair he wants you to be in. And because the people sitting in the crucified chair, they are the world changers. They are the people that God uses to turn the world upside down. And God wants each and every one of you to be difference makers. But we need to position ourselves to make a difference. So, where are you? Where are you? Are you in the chair of convenience, the chair of contribution, or the chair of the crucified? Let us pray. Lord, as we gather here this morning, we just pray that we can be people that examine our lives to see where we are. We know the world has a way of coming into our lives and distracting us from what you want us to do. And now we just pray that our lives can be totally focused on you and that we can be living lives carrying that cross instead of just wearing it around our neck and being those that are sitting in the crucified chair. It's in your name we pray. Amen.